I'm going to say welcome to the We Are Money podcast brought to you by Beasley Mitchell and Company. Glad to have you aboard. And uh, we got another fun podcast for you uh, today. Episode 2.1, as David's calling it, or 199. Ugh. And we'll get to that here pretty soon about eh. what we're talking about. Yeah. So that other voice you heard is uh, David. Welcome. Welcome. Thanks, Brad. Nice to see you. Nice to see you again. Everything been going okay in your world? In my world, doing all right. Doing nice. all right. Nice. Uh, we have uh, uh, another person joining us today. Her name's Natalie. Natalie, say hello. Hello. Okay. Natalie is our uh, producer, and you'll be hearing from her throughout the show. So it's uh, nice to have you. Thank you. So on the We Are Money podcast, we try to bring you a whole bunch of different things, a whole bunch of topics that are interesting to people. And so we always try to bring in some you know, content about what the is going on today and what is the new stuff in the tax law. And so we have our uh, topic we're going to talk about is taxes today, Dave. Yep. So 199A, this seems to be the hot button, new cool thing there. Now, this is not the Canadian tax code. No, not Canadian tax code A, but 199A, cap A. Cap A, 199 cap A. So it's yeah. not like the 401A, which is the Canadian retirement account? Correct. No. Okay. So the 199 cap A deduction is a really interesting deduction. It came about with what I call the uh, CPA Christmas present that was uh, issued, which is the new tax law that came into effect in December 27th of 2017 that changed a lot of the, the way that we're doing planning and everything for 2018, Dave. Yep. So there's, there's a whole bunch of new things that are coming in. I mean, everything in the new tax code with uh, different you know, standard deductions, loss of exemptions that we now have, but kind of focusing on the 199A is really more business related. It really is. And so basically the 199A deduction is a 20% deduction off of taxable income related to income derived from what's called a qualified trader business. Now, qualified trader business is a new term, Dave, we haven't really heard uh, in the tax code before. No, and and that always gets scary because we don't know exactly what they're going to do. They've issued some regulations on it, but um, it seems like all the continuing education classes we go to, they have a good idea, um, but there's still some things up there in the gray areas that we usually find on any business thing. And so my discussion when I talk to people about qualified trader business is I go back into the definition of a trader business for purposes of a deduction at all. So it's a trader business like furs and caps and... Right, and pelts and things like that. A trader, a business? trader, trader business. Yes, Trader Joe's, Trader Joe's uh, as well. Um, no, so yeah, any trade uh, profession or any other type of business as, as such. So we're governed in the IRS tax code by Code Section One Sixty Two. Now this sounds we're not going to be super code heads today and just start spotting out numbers, even to show off how smart we are. Uh, you guys already know how smart we are. So the one ninety one sixty two deduction basically says that deductions are allowed for a trader business that are ordinary and necessary for that trader business. Very broad, David, because my trader business might be able to deduct something that your trader business cannot because it doesn't make sense for your trader business. And so when we're talking about this qualified trader business, it begs the question, it says, hey, anything then that has an ordinary and necessary deduction then may be in a qualifying trader business. And that's essentially what the regulations have said, is that we can be a qualifying trader business so long as we don't fit into one of these categories, and like I said in a presentation I had made a while ago, was that the IRS doesn't tell you what qualifies, it tells you what doesn't qualify. So then, theoretically, anything else that's not on that list should qualify. Right, exactly. Exactly. It's kind of like you telling your kids, okay, you know, you need to be good kids, but just don't do that and don't do that and don't... Well, I also meant for you to not do that either, but it's kind of like this uh, negative reinforcement. Yes, 
Yes, which works so well with kids. Absolutely, absolutely. So what it does is it basically says that a qualified trader business is any business other than those governed by, here's another code for you, code section 1202, little e3, big A. Okay, and this is a code section involving certain types of stocks that are exempt when you sell them. And so 1202, little e3, big A, says that any trader business that involves the performance of services in the fields such as health, law, there you go, David, so that gets you. Wah, 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 wah. Uh, accounting <laughs> gets me. Wah, 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 wah. Uh, actuarial sciences, which is all the other nerds that we haven't encompassed so far, see, right? Yeah, I, I've heard that that test's even harder than, than the bar. So, I mean, <laughs> I couldn't, yeah, the actuarial yeah. test, that stuff is hard. Uh, performing arts, consulting, athletics. And then here's where it gets fun it says, any trader business where the principal asset of that trader business is the reputation and skill of one or more of his em of employees or owners. And so, David, I had talked with you about this deduction. I said, well, this is easy, David. All I have to do is show that I have no reputation and skill whatsoever, and I qualify as a trader business. I think that we can prove that. Thanks, David. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, so now we, we know that we fall under this stuff. And so it gets very confusing because um, people say, okay, well, I'm either A, a qualified trader business, or I'm not a qualified trader business. Well, if I'm not a qualified trader business, Brad, then I don't get this deduction. And I say, not really. You do get the deduction if your income's below a certain threshold. And so the easy way that we always think about it when everybody's looking at their stuff is saying, if you're married and you make less taxable income than $315,000, or if you're single and you make less than $157,500, you get the deduction automatically. Whether or not you're a qualified business. Whether right? or not you're a qualified business. Now, what's interesting is that it's only on your business income. So W-2s are not business income. Yeah, because you're an employee. of. So a lot of our clients who have S-corporations that draw out salaries. So for example, there's a lot of real estate agents who form S-corporations, receive money into their S-corporation, pay themselves a salary because they want to save on, on Social Security tax. And then... They look at this and they say, well, wait a second. Gosh, I'm not going to get that full 20% because my wages aren't going to qualify. And so it's only what's left over. Why am I an S-Corp? And the answer is, well, maybe you probably shouldn't have been an S-Corp before because, you know, you were the only one generating income for that S-Corp. So it's kind of goes back to a discussion of, of uh, choice of entity and what people are doing in certain areas. But the 20% deduction is very valuable, Dave, because when you can qualify for this, it takes your top tax rate from 37% the 29.6 effectively. Yep. yep. And, and so it's, it's always interesting because now we're talking about some real money here for a lot of these people. And so crafting a strategy for a lot of our clients makes sense to where you either keep them below the threshold if they're a, a, a service business and or you make sure the ones that are over the threshold that we can continue to take all the deductions. And there's other limitations too, Dave, right? Like wages. Yep. So I think if you're if you are one of the qualified business, or maybe if you're not, you have to let me know here. I'm, I've only read part of this. <laughs> um, it's okay. You're the attorney. I'm yeah, the tax guy. Yeah. So if, um, if we have, you know, limitations, and that's the part that comes on with the W-2, is that once you hit that threshold, then is, aren't your, some of your deduction is limited to how much W-2 wages you've actually pulled out? Yeah. So once you're over the threshold and you're a qualifying trader business, then you must have W-2 wages in excess of 50% of your qualifying net income. So the example I use is that if you made $100,000 of qualifying trader business, you have to have $200,000 of wages that you paid people. 
inside that corporation, okay, to help offset that deduction. And what's interesting is that real estate people, when they first heard this, they said, oh man, we, we got left out of this. This is really tough. Well, no, because, you know, we realized that like it or not, the president who signed this bill into law is a real estate person. So there's a, a carve out clause that uh, people who are in real estate can also add in two and a half percent of the historical cost of their building. So if you had a $10 million building, okay, you, you can do math as I'm talking, $10 million building, you get a two and a half percent limitation on here. So now, as long as your qualifying trader business isn't more than $250,000, mm-hmm. then you still get to take the deduction. Okay. So it's a very complicated tax law. Like I have told people, this is the, the CPA's Christmas present that we got right around Christmas time because it results in us doing a lot more tax strategy, a lot more tax discussion with clients, which ultimately, you know, takes more time. Yep. So that's always interesting. There's a lot of legal aspects, David, when we get to it. And uh, so what we're trying to tell people is that be aware of this deduction. Uh, some people will fall into it. And some people who are right around these thresholds, you really need to uh, take a look at your deductions and make sure that you can you know, fall within these. It's a, it's a big difference for somebody, you know, if David, you and I are both uh, in the service professional deal. If I make a dollar below the threshold and you make a dollar above the threshold, our taxation is different. Correct. Yep. Way yeah. different. And so that's, that's, that's a big number on the same amount of income. So always a challenge, always interesting. We just encourage you, if you have questions, submit them to us on our, our Twitter feed, our, the We Are Money podcast brought to you by Beasley Mitchell and Company. The Twitter handle is at Beasley Mitchell. So please follow us on Twitter also for there. That is my shameless plug for the day. Shameless plug. So moving on to my favorite segment of our podcast, If Brad Ruled the World. It's time for If Brad Ruled the World. All right, Brad. So we got you all set up today and we're going to do things a little different here today. Natalie is actually going to read these questions to you. Okay. And I've never seen um, these questions. Is, Natalie, you're going to read them or am I going to read them? Um, I can read them. Okay. Why don't, you, them? why don't you read them? All right. Here we go. If you could pick one superhero to rule the world alongside you, who would it be and why? If I could pick one superhero to rule the world alongside me, I would pick Iron Man. One, because he's awesome, and I think that I would get totally get along with Tony Stark. I think very similar personalities. <laughs> you don't think you guys being too similar would clash? Well, I think that it would just be like doubling of efforts because then we could just be like Iron Man 3, right? It'd just be one plus one is three with me and him. You know, so I totally enjoy Iron Man. I like the fact that he really is just super smart. He's kind of like Batman a little bit because he's just a really smart guy and really rich and can do all this other stuff, but he's... To me, way cooler than Batman, and we're totally going to get in fights with people on Twitter, obviously, over this of Batman versus this. But I really think Iron Man would be a really, really cool one. What about you, Dave? I don't know if I'd go Iron Man just because he'd probably get a little old, and he although he would come <laughs> up with a get like he he just, just Iron deal, Man deal would get old, just getting it would get you know, you know he'd want to like. Are you put, saying that he, I'm he old? Would, are you saying Iron? No, Iron he would, he would want to put. What he's saying. He would want to put like a, a shield thing in your arm that popped out a calculator. And that'd probably hurt. Well, that yeah, but you know what though? I kind of already have that in my head. You start giving me numbers, and it just it just boom, it just flies. I'm like I'm already like a human Iron Man calculator. Mm -hmm. You know, just don't ask me really hard math, and I can't do that one. But you know, most simple math, pluses, minuses, multiplication tables up to twelve. 
I'm totally like a human calculator. So I think you still have to go Superman. Think Superman? I think Superman because I can be like, hey, can you fly me over there? Then but then you got, then how do you, so let's, let's discuss this. Okay. So you're right. Superman would be cool. Cause he can fly. He can step in front of you. If people are shooting bullets at you, which I don't know if that happens with you on a regular occurrence, but you know, sometimes for me it does, you know, but I think Superman can stand in front. But so he says, you say, Hey, Superman, I want to go have lunch in Florence, Italy today. How are you getting there? Well, I'm going to ask Iron Man to build me a thing that I can fly behind. That we can harness? That we can harness on. Okay, because if not, I vision you grabbing to the back of Superman and flying like <laughs> Lois Lane romantically across the Atlantic Ocean to get to Florence, and that's well, kind of weird. It depends on which Superman it is. Okay. Is it, is, <laughs> is it like, like which Superman Dean? would you prefer? Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about this. So which, so which Superman is it? Is it Dean Cain Superman? Is it Michael? Is it uh, Christopher Reeves? I almost said Michael Reeves. That was a terrible one. Was, was Christopher Reeves? You know, I mean, which... which which Superman? Um, probably what's the new guy, Henry Cavill. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Right. Okay. Good yeah, he's, choice. Yeah. So yeah. He's, he's, he's he probably smells looking. the best of all of them. I would think. Probably smells the best. Yeah. Because as you're flying, you'd get that. In probably you. smells the most like Superman. Yeah. All right. He doesn't have super bo or anything. No. Like that. <laughs> no. No. Okay. All right. We're good. All right. Moving on. Question two. All right. Question number two. The world is overrun by sporting events, and we have to eliminate one professional sport. Which sport are you banishing? Which sport am I banishing of professional sporting events? Okay, just because I don't understand it is cricket. Okay, I don't understand. It's kind of like baseball, but it's not baseball. And I, I just don't understand. And they play it for so long, I, I don't understand it at all. I don't know. That's what I would go with. Cricket. David. Uh, I, I like your answer because I don't really get that at all. I mean, the other one... I would like alienate a whole bunch of people, just soccer, or I would, I would allow soccer to stay as long as they would change the rule about ending in ties. Okay. I, I don't like that. You don't like ending in ties. So if you could change like that, then you'd be okay. Yes. All right. Now for the record, you do coach soccer. I do coach soccer. Okay, so you're not totally opposed to I'm soccer. I'm not totally opposed to soccer. I'm opposed to the, to, the, I would want to get rid of the ties. Now I know recently soccer. this weekend, I know that you did receive a red card from the official because you did not understand what offsides was. <laughs> Well, nobody understands what offside Okay. Is. Well, I mean, I, I get that too. I just kept my mouth shut and you got the red card. So question yeah. three. All right. Question three. At the end of the 17th century, Russian emperor Peter the Great introduced a tax on men's facial hair. Which city would you allow this tax to make a comeback in? Which city would I allow that to make a comeback in? That's awesome. You'd make like a ton of money if you did in money. the Northwest. Yeah, I think I would got to go with like a Seattle-ish because that to me, Seattle screams beard. But although, you know, like Minnesota area seems like in the winter, they would get very beardy, you know, it's pretty cold. So, yeah, I would think beardy, you know, beardy. Uh, is that a word? I don't know. Beardorific. Beardorific. Yeah. That's so definitely I, a word. So the answer to that, I think, is I'm going to go with Seattle. Yes. Nice, nice. I like it. All right. Question number four. CPAs are in charge of counting the ballots for the Oscars. What other award show would you put CPAs in charge of? Well, I, first of all, I think Family Feud, okay? CPAs need to be in charge of Family Feud because some of these answers just don't make any sense, and it hardly ever adds up to 100 people. Like they say, 100 people, they ask these questions, and they go with the top five. I mean... And adds like to 86. And adds to like 86. I mean, like it just, by mathematics, it doesn't work. And so I really think that for the integrity of the Family Feud process is that we need to have CPAs involved in the integrity of Family Feud. Just a thought. I mean, maybe, you know what, though? That's not really an award show, is it? They give you an award at the end, but I mean, right. award show would be something. See, I'm surprised like Grammys. they don't do it for like the uh, American Idol or something like that. You know, there's no CPAs that count up American Idol. Well, I think there are. Isn't there a firm in, in, in LA that does that? 
I'm sure. I mean, there's firms in LA that do everything. I mean, I guess. But... I thought I thought there was one where they counted the votes, but really, what what are the votes that they're counting? They're like looking at their app as it's coming in, going one, two, right, three. Well, we four. saw what happened when they had the CPAs involved in in uh, old what's his name, Steve Harvey read the wrong. Oh yeah, read the wrong one. So it doesn't really matter. So I, I still go with my first one, Family Feud. All right, question five. You were president for one day, even though you're already ruling the world, and you can make one change to our tax law. What is it? One change to our tax law. You rule the world, but only kind of. You can only make the one change. Well, okay. So one change to the tax law. I think that I would ask for clarification and make it more, make the entertainment deduction have some more clarity because what I was, and the only reason is I was discussing it with somebody today and they asked me about the deduction for entertainment that went away and whether deduction, whether, well, if I go to dinner, is that all right? I'm like, yeah, as long as you're not entertained by the dinner. Well, it's like, so what does that mean? I have to go with boring people to you dinner? You have to invite your CPA to dinner. Absolutely. So <laughs> for, me, for me, I know that every time I go to dinner with David, it is all business. It is not entertaining whatsoever. It actually is a charitable donation because he's not, it's not <laughs> really good. Cause, to, you, Cause you're being seen with me. Yes. It's yeah. really not good for, for me to see, you know, uh, with be seen with David out in public, but uh, it's very confusing with the entertainment deduction. So I think I'd try to make that that clear. How would you make it clear? Um, I think I would just let a, a free for all. I'd say, okay, yeah, you know what? As long as it's entertainment, I cap it at some level. We'll cap it at uh, two hundred bucks uh, per occurrence or something like that. So you get a little bit. But even these extravagant things, because some of these things are kind of extravagant, the box in at the football stadiums and those kind of things get a little extravagant from a, a entertainment standpoint. But that's what I would do. That's what I would do. Nice, nice. All right. So I am done ruling the world for now. And we're going to move on to David's favorite segment, David's Legal Corner. The information contained on David's Legal Corner is provided as a general public service. The listeners, if any, are advised to check for changes to current law to consult with an attorney. David's Legal Corner is not licensed to provide legal services in Canada, any province of Canada, any territory of Canada, or any other land Canada may or may not own, used to own, think it owns, or apologizes about owning. Legal assistance shall not be provided about moose, A, Mounties, A, syrup, A, curling, A, maple leaves, A, the maple leaves, A, hockey, A, curling, A, Dudley Durite, A, Snidely Whiplash, A, Howie Mandel, A, or Celine Dion, A. Although his heart may go on. Should David's Legal Corner have forgotten any such Canadian references? It is very, very sorry. <laughs> so, I mean, I know that you have a lot of content that you put in there, Dave, but did you have curling twice? I think you had curling in there a couple uh, times. Did I have curling in there? I really right. like curling. Well, I mean, I didn't know if you're talking one about the one where we slide a block across a piece of ice and two people go through and, and, and do the broom, you know, all the way down and, and those kind of things. Or if the second one was like, I'm just doing weights in the gym. Cause well, I like that one too. Yeah. I really like <laughs> yeah. curling. Yeah. Okay. I think yeah. curling would be the sport I would get rid of. I'm not a fan wow. of curling. Wow. Why? So let's explain it. Why, why are you not a fan of curling? I just, I don't get it. It's kind of like how you feel with cricket. I just right. don't understand it. But I mean, it's, it's, you use a broom to move things across an ice. I mean, that's, totally practical applications there i just try to think how did this evolve in a bar and they were like <laughs> throwing the stones across and oh it, it evolved at the end of the night of the bar obviously people were a little bit inebriated they were throwing stuff across the floor and the guy was trying to clean up and he's like hey look and he swept and the thing went further and they're like hey this is a great idea do we have darts no we can throw these rocks i just like any sport where you have to pull out one of those protractor things to determine who's closer and who's farther away okay so fun fact about curling Curling stones are only made 
from one quarry in one rock formation in Scotland. Hmm. I found that on the Science Channel last wow. week. Wow. Yes, very surprised. So that's the only place in the entire world that curling stones are made. So anyways, keep going with your David's Legal Corner, David. Well, in David's Legal Corner, we're actually going to talk about is the new thing. You know, the um, recently there was the passing of Burt Reynolds. Oh, and so that, sad. so otherwise known as Turd Ferguson to some people. Um, yes. Mm -hmm. Funny name, Turd Ferguson. Funny name. Funny guy. Funny guy, Scooby-Doo. Yep, Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yep. And that, but um, one thing that popped up here is people are saying, well, Burt Reynolds omitted his son from his will. Okay, so, I so, can see where so you, you would do that. Reading that, where you'd omit your son from the will. Mm -hmm. Must have been a really bad son. Yeah, you'd think so. And this is a little different than what you'd had um, before um, on here. And we, I, that's actually all the information that we really have. However, he named his niece, Nancy Lee Brown Hess, as executor of his estate. So you might think, well, did he just not leave anything to him or not? But what it actually does show is that um, as opposed to some of these other celebrities, like you had Prince and Aretha Franklin that died without wills or things like that, Burt Reynolds actually had a trust with his estate planning. And actually as part of the will, which actually isn't even there all the time, is he had actually noted that he had provided for his son under his trust. And everything you read now says, well, that's all the information we have on that, which is exactly one of the reasons why you actually have a trust. So I know, David, that we talk a lot to, to our clients and you provide some good, solid advice all the time on doing a will and a trust at the same time. So what are some of the advantages then of having a trust during your lifetime? Well, so during, during your lifetime with the trust, you are setting yourself up for the fact that um, you're, if you ever need help somebody managing your property with you, if, if you can't do that for any sort of reason, you can always name a co-trustee or a um, successor trustee to actually help you out with that trust. Also, things are not titled in your name so that when you actually pass away, um, there is actually no probate needed. There's no will needed. There's no public filing needed. All that people need to be contacted are just the people that are in your trust. So you don't have to do a public filing or anything like that. It's very private. Um, and actually, most of the time we find that it actually helps get the administration going quicker and gets the assets doing what you want them to do. And you'd mentioned privacy because like we had seen in other ones where people die with either just a will or they die with no will, then the assets get subject to a public forum where basically it is presented at probate with the judge that says, hey, here is the last will of, you know, in this case, Burt Reynolds. And he uh, had two sons or he had one son and he had an ex-wife. And here's how these assets are going are, are to get split. And there's a, a period of uh, protest, right? That mm -hmm. uh, creditors can come in and say, no, I had a creditor against uh, Burt Reynolds, he owed me a million dollars. And so, you know, they have to file paperwork. So it becomes this very public display. And with the trust, it tends to keep that nice and quiet. It allows for a quick turnaround of assets. And for a lot of these people, for a lot of like, for instance, our clients, they have ongoing businesses. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is that if you don't properly plan, have the trust in place, have these assets in the trust, if something happens to you, it could grind your business to a halt. Yeah, and with a, with a trust, then if um, something like that happens, your successor trustee can step right in. They're now the new owner of the business, and then they would have the authority to name a successor president or hop in there to start keeping the business going. 
And just because you're the trustee doesn't mean that you actually are any beneficiary, right? Those can be two separate people? Correct. They can be the same, but they can also be different. And a lot of times they can even be a corporate um, entity, meaning a trust company, a bank, a CPA firm that, that can help you out to take care of that, get that, get that done. And a lot of times what we see is that like in, in cases where we're named as trustee, because I'm, I'm trustee on several uh, trusts, our, our corporation is, uh, and, and myself personally, is that there's a lot of governing documents in this trust that allows people to dictate what happens, whether they have a, a child with special needs or they have a child with substance abuse problems or they have a child that has other types of issues. This helps preserve that estate so that the money just doesn't get spent um, in a in a fashion that a lot of times the the decedent, the the person that passed away, wouldn't want to. I know that you and I have even worked on trusts where we had a uh, a stinker provision put in. Yep. So stinker provision, which was made famous with uh, Paris Hilton and and that kind of thing, where that if the uh, basically if the uh, beneficiary is not acting in a way that the um, trustee or their parents would have thought appropriate, that the uh, trustee can then withhold distributions and everything from. Right. So it's kind of, it puts a lot of pressure on the trustee. However, it uh, provides a lot of protection for the assets that are inside there. Yep. So yep. good discussion. The basically the big main takeaway, David, that you would have on that is get your trust. Don't just uh, leave it, uh, leave it to happenstance because you never know what's going to happen. You've worked your whole life uh, for all your assets. You might as well keep them and put them where they're supposed to go. Yeah. There's, there's sometimes when just a will will take care of it, depending on your assets, but a lot of times there are there are better ways to get things taken care of, and trusts are really our workhorses that we get this done, and they keep it again private. So I'm just surprised that more people, especially of this type of wealth, don't don't do that. Um, but make sure you get that. Make sure you check it out to see if that's something that that you should be doing. Okay. Once again, we are the We Are Money podcast, brought to you by Beasley Mitchell and Company. You can follow us on Twitter at, at Beasley Mitchell, and follow us on Facebook, and uh, leave your comments on the uh, iTunes podcast when you get there. So the last section for us right now is the best code ever. Fibonacci binary. The internal revenue code. What will it allow? The best code ever. That always gets me nice and excited. It's always a fun little tune. Yeah, it's a good one. Absolutely. So, Natalie, you uh, have done some research for us and uh, have uh, three sets of four laws where three are true and one is fake. Is that correct? That is correct. And we've never seen these. I haven't, at least. So, I have no idea. So, we're going to have to guess. That's right. All right. So, the first set. Number one, if your parrot talks too loudly in Oak Bay, British Columbia, you could be fined $100. Number two, in Quebec, it is illegal to wear a yellow hat on a Sunday. Number three, any comic books that depict a crime are technically illegal in Canada. And the last one, purple, purple garage doors are against the law in Ontario. Wow. Okay. Well, well number two would kind of negate any Curious George fans. Any Curious George fans? Yeah, and uh, I mean, I think, I think that uh, would be tough. So I think number two is going to be very hard. Although, gosh, number four, 
I'm wanting to say number four might be false because if it's purple and it's Ontario, that means it also has to be in French. And I don't know what the French word for purple is. Le purple. I think it's le purple. Le purple? Yes. I think that works in. So uh, you say number two is fake. Number two. I'm going to go with number four is fake. All right. And the fake one is in Quebec, it is illegal to wear a yellow hat on a Sunday. What? Oh, <laughs> where yes. would that come from? Oh, that's fake. That's fake. Of yes, course. exactly. That would, that, that, that's that, why you question that, it. That, that, that would come from Natalie. Oh, <laughs> that's that that's a law from. I would impose. Yes. Apparently, okay. Natalie hates yellow hats. Yellow is my only favorite on color, but only not, on, not on the hat and no. on Sunday. No. Okay. All right. Got us. Got us. Got us. Okay. Right. That's See, I, I I thought because you know, curious George and the man in the yellow hat. Question two. All right. Number two. First one in Vancouver, it is illegal to shower and play music at the same time. Number two, snowmen taller than 30 inches are illegal in Prince Edward Island. Number three, hunting by flashlight is against the law in Alberta. And number four, selling artificially colored chicks is illegal in Nova Scotia. Chickens, right? Chickens. I believe so. Okay. I would hope so. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, well, this is Canada, so they would be more proper than we are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So but they do have a lot chicks. more comedians per capita. This is true. This is true. I'm going to go with the 30-inch snowman is fake. I don't know. I don't see how you enforce playing music while you're in the shower. So I'm thinking of this from an enforcement way. So I could see them going around and taking a hockey stick to anything that's 31 inches or above on the snow. Just, just driving around <laughs> just, on, on their snow things. Just Poor kid. Poor yeah. kid's out there making one lump of the snowman. He's cool. Two, two is good. He gets to the top three and then just boom. Yep. And then the sorry comes in. The sorry. Sorry. Yeah. I just knocked down your snowman. Yes. Okay. And that. And that, but I don't see how you enforce the shower. Okay. Well, mainly that's because like I would be arrested because I love showering with music on. Okay. So well, let's, let's hope that that happens in Canada and I can get you to move there and you can get arrested. <laughs> All right, Natalie, so which one's the fake one? And you were right, David. It is, a, it is not illegal to shower and play music at the same yes! time in Vancouver. Okay. It's illegal to use a toaster in the shower at the same time. That's kind of hard. It's not illegal. Yeah. It's just punishable by deadly. death. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's true. <laughs> Okay. Actually, use it. Darwin would approve. Yes. There we go. All right. Next one. All right. Number one, removing your feet from pedals when bicycling is illegal in Ottawa. 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 In Ottawa. Number two, chipped or cracked bathtubs are forbidden in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. Number three, in British Columbia, it is illegal to do backflips while intoxicated. And number four, it's against the law in Montreal to swear in French. See, I would say four because I would think, I mean, you'd have to be able to swear in both English and French, right? You can't just swear in one. Yeah, you can't just swear in one. You have to swear in both. Right. What was it? Planes, trains, and automobiles, right? Or was yes. it one of those movies yeah. where they had written a, a curse swear word, word on the side of the building, <laughs> or side of the truck, and the policeman pulled him over and said, no, you have to write that in French also. <laughs> um, but then trouble. Gosh, okay. But um, the one thing I want you to keep in mind is that we've just picked out the fake one. The rest of these are actual laws. Actual <laughs> laws. Yeah, good thing to keep in okay. mind. So I'm going to say it's probably, it's, it probably is illegal to do backflips in British Columbia because it's just dangerous for people. So I'm going to say that one's probably okay. Um, chipped bathtubs, it's probably against some type of code, I would be willing to say. Removing your pedals. I'm going to say swearing in French is fake. I'm going to go swearing in French is fake because the only chips that I would think would be illegal would be your chili cheese Fritos fries. Oh, yeah. But if I ruled the world, they would totally be legal. Yes. <laughs> All right. 
in British Columbia, it is illegal to do backflips while intoxicated is fake. You can do all the backflipping you want when you're drunk in okay. British Columbia. Okay, so quick poll. All right, of the three of us, who can actually do a backflip while sober? But can anybody do a backflip while they're sober? I, I can't do one while I'm sober, and I probably wouldn't try if I was Well, I mean, I, I could but... see myself trying if I was inebriated. I probably still couldn't do it. I right. definitely could not do a backflip. Okay, see, that's just very weird to me. Very odd. All right. She made that one up, Brad. I know. I know. Yeah. I know. So it is weird. So it is weird. It's very odd. And it's fake. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Well, it's always fun to do the best code ever. We'll have that uh, on all of our podcasts, and it's always a good time. So as we finish up here in the podcast, we are the We Are Money podcast, brought to you by Beasley Mitchell and Company. Again, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, uh, follow us uh, any other social medias randomly that Natalie's will be putting together. I'm sure we'll have some type of Instagram thing that we do uh, as well. And so uh, just once again, thanks everybody for, for being with us today. David, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate being here. Thanks, Brad. Natalie, thanks for our, our first run with you as well. It was very hey, fun. Thanks. It was fun to be here. Sounds good. Well, thank you everybody for listening and we'll catch you guys next time. Have a great one.